Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Totally Uncalled For. I'm your boy, Jack, and as always, I got my co-host, Dinger, with me. Let me get a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the wait, boys and girls, but we are back and we're better than ever. We are here for our latest episode of Totally Uncalled For, the most insane podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. If you are of the faint of heart, and you get offended easily, this is your chance to turn off now. However, Dinger, let's get it started, all right? You know, let's cut the BS. Let's cut to the chase. You know, I don't like to chit-chat. Um, mm-hmm. We're a little bit late on this, but, you know, let's give a recap on the NFL draft. There was a lot of mayhem going on, a lot of speculation going in, and, uh, you know, it was pretty exciting, to say the least. I had the the uh, the pleasure of watching from my hotel room up there in Cincinnati with a fat plate of um of room service so you know i was sitting pretty weight watching the draft yeah not adhering to the tough guy diet we'll mm-hmm. get it dinger don't don't chop me down man i'm on a roll um but dinger was there anything when you were watching the draft that maybe stood out to you that maybe shocked you or something that maybe confirmed one of your uh your little hot takes you know this is this yeah is a chance to air it out let me hear it yeah there, so klein farrell going number four overall um, and you know, we're in, starting with that one. Yeah. So I, and I, this is by no means anything bad to do with him as a player. You know, I think he was actually one of my, one of the, my more favorite defensive ends in the draft. Um, you know, I probably would have taken him with their second pick if they were still there. I was thinking he was honestly going to go to a team like Miami sitting around 13, 14, but it was definitely odd to see him go before Josh Allen. But Overall, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Raiders draft personally, but I can understand the way that they went with it. You know, uh, it, you, this definitely screamed Mike Mayock and John Gruden. You know, they went with players that are all adults, all mature, strong, high character guys, and big, tough motherfuckers. They tough These guys? are guys that are going to bust. They're tough guys. Dang, they're they guys tough that guys? are, yeah, they're big, they're big, powerful, tough guys. Eh? Um, they're big, powerful, tough guys that, you know, just love the contact, love football. They're, they're quintessential football guys. They have no character issues whatsoever. And, you know, you can never fault a team for going with a certain type of player. And, you know, with their first three picks, they went, we're going to go with just big, strong, physical, high-character football players. And it, it wasn't the way I would probably go around the draft, especially drafting a running back in the first round. But I, I can't I can't give them a bad grade for it by any means just because, you know, if that's the way that you – if that, is that the identity of your football team that you want to instill, then by all means, that's a great way to basically tell the players and the rest of the team that you need business. You're going to have a good young core of mature, great football guys. But you know, the Klein Farrell going four was definitely early to me. Um, let they me, passed let me, up. Let me comment a little bit before you get on your uh, – get on your roll now, Dinger. Um isn't it a little ironic that our two prior guests, Matt and Vic, who are huge Raiders fans and big proponents of the running backs don't matter stigma, isn't it ironic and, and <coughs> a bit humorous that the Raiders go and they draft a running back in the first round after these people are – they live and die by the running backs don't matter mantra? Isn't that funny? Yeah, I, I think it's funny. And considering that this – really wasn't the draft that you wanted to grab a running back in. Like, Josh Jacobs is going to be a good player at the NFL level. But I, in terms of first-round talent, I personally, I don't see it. He was the best 
running back available. So, you know, you're going to go a little bit higher than people thought when, you know, it's not a huge running back draft and you're the best available in the class. I mean, quite clearly um, from, you know, seeing all these players. But, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me too much, you know, considering they needed a running back. Marshawn Lynch is retiring. John Gruden loves the big, powerful running back that you can just hand it to and be like, give us three fucking yards. But, yeah, I, I do think it's actually ironic that they are the biggest proponents of running backs don't matter me. And, you know, and he ends up going in the first round to him. Um, I think he's going to be a productive player for him. I don't think he's going to be a star by any means. But, you know, I, only time will yes, tell. for sure. Um, could definitely see him being a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown type guy in the future. But he's never going to be contending for a rushing title. He's never going to be a perennial pro bowler. He might go to one or two, have a few years, a few breakout years, sort of like a Latavius Murray with the Raiders um, a few years back. But that aside, you know, I just think he's just going to be a good, productive starter. And, you know, another pro on him is he doesn't have the mileage. He didn't receive that many carries in college, which is pretty good because, you know, at a position like running back, the wear and tear gets on you. You know, Gurley just got signed to a big deal. And, you know, it turns out he has arthritis in their knee. I'm sure that they were happy about it when they first signed him. But now they're probably having a little bit of doubts. Yeah, he's still a superstar. But, I mean, we saw how he was in the playoffs and how C.J. Anderson became the focal point of the offense. But from the Raiders, I'm going to spin to this. The thing that everybody wasn't expecting, Daniel Jones going number six. (laughs) And if you guys remember – if you guys remember what I told you, I said the Giants were getting Daniel Jones, but they were going to trade up for Daniel Jones from the 17th pick to snag him again. And, you know, it didn't go exactly as planned, but how I thought it was going to go planned, but shit. I, they wanted Daniel Jones, they got Daniel Jones. But this is what really irks me when it comes to Dave Gettleman. I mean, or just Gettleman. Maybe I got his first name wrong anyway. You know, last year they defended the Saquon pick, saying we're taking the best player available that's on the board. And it was a great pick. Okay, that, that's fine. They got Saquon Barkley. They got a running back. But again, you know, in terms of – I don't believe that running backs don't matter, but when it comes to drafting a quarterback in a very talented quarterback draft with all the other quarterback, with I think all the quarterbacks were on the board at this time, if I'm not right, they could have grabbed Josh Darn – I mean – Sam Darnold, who, you know, I perceive to be probably the best quarterback. I guess Baker was the only quarterback that was taken. You know, they could have taken Rosen, Josh Allen, or Sam Darnold. And, you know, Sam Darnold, I actually liked a mm-hmm. lot. And, you know, they, they could have taken Darnold, but they defended it saying we were going with the best player available. Okay, that's fine. You know, you missed out on Darnold. You shouldn't really prioritize a running back over a quarterback, but whatever. If that's how you're going to live your life, I mean, if that's going to be the mantra you go to, that's fine. But you cannot tell me that you fucking thought Daniel Jones was the sixth best player available when you need a pass rusher and Josh Allen is still on the board at six. That is completely and totally egregious what they did right there, grabbing Daniel Jones at six. And it's not the, you know, if, if you think he's your guy, he's your guy, grab him. But you can't say one thing and then do the complete opposite of what you did before. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you this much. I would, say, I would take Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker, Dwayne Haskins, and Kyler Murray all over Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Daniel Jones had the same quarterback coach as Eli and Peyton. 
And, you know, people are saying, the Peyton Mannings are controlling the NFL draft. Personally, that really doesn't bother me that much. You know, if, if a guy like Peyton Manning calls you, you're going to talk and listen. Of course. You know, I, I, that's just how good of a player, that's just how cerebral of a player he is. And so I'm not going to fault, you know, the Giants for, you know, listening to Peyton fucking Manning. But at the same time, you can't say one thing that you did last year in the draft and then go and do the complete opposite mm-hmm. when there was value to be had on the board. And uh, Dave Gettleman is trying to tell us that, you know, and I'm, I'm stealing this take from Cowherd, but it needs to be heard, this one right mm-hmm. here. So basically, I don't know if you heard him, but he didn't know what conference Ohio State is. He called it the Big 12. Dude, Gettleman said this? Okay. Gettleman said, oh, yeah, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch much Big 12 football. Jesus fucking oh, Christ. You don't know what Lord. conference Ohio State is in, but somehow you knew that the Redskins – and another team we're going to take Daniel Jones before. Quit trying to cover your ass with fucking lies, Dave Gettleman. Get the fuck out of here. But, I, yeah, I mean, Giants definitely were the loser of the draft, but it's definitely hard to say, especially when it comes to grabbing a quarterback. You know, like, yeah, if Daniel Jones turns out to be a stud, then, you know, the Giants are going to win the yep, draft. And exactly. it's going to be hard to tell because it seems like Eli Manning is going to still be limping his way through another 16-game season this mm-hmm. year. So, I, I yeah, don't know. The way but... I see a thing with this is that if they really did feel that Daniel Jones is their guy and that he's going to be the future of the franchise, then, I, then fine. I get it. If that's who your guy is and he's there on the board and you want to, and you feel that someone else between then and your next pick was going to take him, you get him. I get it. But he yeah. was clearly, clearly not the pick in that position. There was so much defensive talent on the board in such a heavy defensive draft. They needed to go with him. And then who, who did they – didn't they get Fowler in their next pick? No, no, no. They got Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence or, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got Dexter Lawrence, the Clemson defensive tackle. Wasn't and, Dante Fowler? You know, I, Am I wrong? No, no, no. Dante Fowler plays for played for the Rams last oh, year. I'm was on the Jets. Sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. No, no, no. You might be thinking of Dexter. Dexter. Dexter, Dexter Lawrence, Lawrence, I guess. And Christian Williams. It just shows I don't they got Dexter shit about Lawrence. Shit, anyway. Right. Anyway, Dexter Lawrence is. You know, he's a big guy. He's a big, fast, athletic guy. You know. A solid replacement for Snacks, Damon Snacks Harrison. But, I mean, shit. You you need a pass rusher. You know, the three most important positions in the league is, I mean, the, the most expensive, yeah, the most important positions in the league is quarterback. How are you going to protect the quarterback and how are you going to get to the quarterback? Mm-hmm. I agree. Those yeah. are the three most positions. And then after that, it goes corner. How are you going to defend against a quarterback? Yeah. And, you know, it. I don't know. They just had a draft strategy, and, you know, I, for the sake of time, I think we should move on from the Giants. Definitely. Seemingly terrible draft, and, you know, talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Kyler Murray went number one overall. That wasn't a surprise, so I'm not really going to get into that. But I do want to say this probably isn't the best draft, you know, for fans because it wasn't a heavy quarterback draft. It wasn't a heavy running back wide receiver draft. I think there was only two taken in the first round when it came to receivers and they were late picks and a running back as well was a late pick and really not many quarterbacks came off the board, but this is a great draft. If you love big, strong defensive linemen, there was some good value in offensive linemen there too. The Vikings took the best center in the draft. Garrett Bradbury, one of the best center prospects to come out in the past five years. You know, a lot of people are comparing him to a Jason Kelsey type player and an immediate starter. 
I'm definitely happy about bolstering the interior of our offensive line and like how we went offense was our first three picks in the draft. I think Irv Smith is a solid player. You know, he doesn't do anything wrong mm. for what I've been hearing and you'd watching him. He doesn't have any weaknesses. Does he have any extreme strengths? No, but you know, he, he runs good routes. He's open. He has strong hands. He's fast enough in the tight end position, not like slow. I mean, he ran around a four or five, not blazing speed. He's a big guy and he can block, you know, there's not many tight ends that can block catch and run routes. And, you know, it seems like the Vikings are going to look to move off of Kyle Rudolph next year. And they're going to be able to run a lot of two tight end sets, which will be great to see. You know, you got two tight ends. The defense isn't going to know what the hell is going on because it could be a run or a pass. You got two tight ends that can go and catch the ball along with Thielen and Diggs that you always need to account for. And then Dalvin Cook is still a weapon outside of the backfield and can run the ball. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, you know, I wanted to dive a little bit more into the Seahawks yes, as well. Please. You know, they went out, they went out and they grabbed DK Metcalf, the biggest physical freak in the draft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while some of his numbers, when it comes to route, some of his, I guess, ability when it comes to route running and stuff like that is very raw. But when you have a quarterback that's as pretty of a deep ball thrower and Russell Wilson, you could just put him in a position where you're just say, hey, man, we need you to run slants, posts, and goes, and we need you to catch the ball when Russ gives it to you, and we need you to be a fucking burner. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to be a guy that, you know, you can't leave in single coverage with your number one, cor- with your number two corner. And having two burners like, uh, like, uh, Tyler it's not Ricardo Lockett, Tyler it's, Lockett. Lockett. Tyler, it's Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett and him on the outside, that's good. And, you know, you needed to get a receiver because it looks like Doug Baldwin might be retiring mm-hmm. due to the injuries that he's suffered it's in so his upsetting. knees, which is very so sad. Upsetting. He was a very productive, undrafted player that worked very well with a quarterback like Russell Wilson. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Seahawks the Seahawks had, you know, a very safe draft. They traded back. Traded back you know, 20 times I, and stockpiled you, picks. Yeah. You know, I was very and, happy with the Seahawks drafting, but I'll let you finish your thought. Yeah, so they did good with that, and you know now I want to get into the before Dolphins. You do, before you do, before you can't fans. let you can't skip over the Seahawks and not let me get a word in, Daniel. Come on, that's my squad. Oh, I, actually, I did have one more thing with the Seahawks. I forgot. Get it out, and then it's so, my turn. Let me hear it, thing. Yeah, so you know, obviously the draft is a great time. You know, I love watching the post draft videos, and you see the player on the phone all emotional with all their family, especially a lot of the players that didn't really come for much. And, you know, it's a big life changer for them, especially for picks in the first two to three rounds. You know, they're almost guaranteed a spot on the on an NFL mm-hmm. roster. That's millions of dollars that are changing these kids' lives and their families. And to see them reach the pinnacle of their goal from whenever they were young kids is great to see. You know, listening to DK Metcalf bawling, crying on the phone, talking to Pete Carroll, saying, why y'all take so long? Why y'all take so yep. long? You know, is is you know definitely like a funny, nice thing to see. Just saying, yes, coach, yes, coach, I'm ready, I'm gonna be there. Is you know, he's just one example of many. Is a great sight to see, and you know, this time of year is it's just an emotional time. It's a great time for teams that you know didn't have much success the year before to you know look on to a brighter future yeah. and see the next stars of yeah. tomorrow. I wanted to talk about DK a little bit more because. I was on the plane when this was uh, when the draft was going on in the second round, and you know, I, I uh, luckily Delta has live TV going, so I was able to watch it. And when I saw that DK was drafted, I was like, "Oh no!" because because of his his uh, performance at the combine in like the three cone drill and things like that. And I was watching some of his highlight. His feet are kind of like cement blocks when he's trying to move around. It, it, you know, he seems very stiff because of his freakishly large stature. But um, 
seeing the way he reacted getting drafted by the Seahawks, it really ripped for me, honestly. And it, it shows that he's going to go out there every day and he's going to work his ass off to prove the other teams wrong and prove the doubters that he is here to play. Um, the guy is just a great, great character player. And I think he's going to fit very well with the uh, Pete Carroll system. Watching that video of him coming into the team meeting shirtless is absolutely hilarious. And Pete Carroll taking his shirt off too, unmatched, iconic. There's no other franchise in football like the Seattle Seahawks. And it just shows, you know, we're here to have a good time, but we're here to be serious. And I think DK is going to come ready to work each and every day. And he couldn't have been matched up with a better quarterback to bring his game to the next level. Russell Wilson is going to make yeah. him shine, Dinger. Yeah, that's I, I definitely hope so because he has a talent. He has the the tools to be a polarizing player. But lastly, I just want to talk on touch on the Dolphins draft a little bit. You know, we have a decent amount of Dolphins fans that listen to this pod, being in a Orlando, South Florida type podcast. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think they did a great job with the Christian Wilkins pick. They found great value, a great team fit. You know, they needed a they needed a solid tackle, and you know, he's a beast on the inside. I know people give bad raps to Clemson defensive linemen sometimes because you know they're playing next to all they're playing next to all yeah. Americans each and every single so it's, year for an offensive but, line. It's like I who mean, the fuck do I take? You know what I mean? Exactly. So. But but this guy is a complete animal, and I think the Dolphins did a good job of finding that player and. You know, I really liked how they picked up Josh Rosen because they're basically getting him for free. Mm-hmm. His bo- his signing bonus was already paid. A lot of the money was already paid to him. And you get a nice, young, cheap backup quarterback with upside for basically the price of a late-round, second-round pick because they traded back so many times. So it looked like they had the strategy in their head. We're going to continue to trade back until, until we decide we want to give this pick to the Arizona Cardinals. And they did. And it worked out. And I just want to applaud the Dolphins for some good front office moves yeah, right cr- there. It's crazy. And, you know, it's crazy. I grew up my whole life watching the Dolphins front office be in shambles. You know, they could never get it right. Drafting Ted Ginn like ninth overall back in the day. They're fucking retards over there in the Miami Dolphins front office doing cocaine on the table, on the grindstone. You know, these guys are absolutely nuts over there. I don't know what the hell's going on, but it seems like they got their act together. You know, they made, like you said, they made a great pick with their first, uh, with like, what was it, the 13? Uh, I really did like that pick. Um, they got a great talent for that defensive line of theirs. You know, they might be losing Cameron Wake. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that they made some good plays. And then, you know, getting a top 10 quarterback from last season, Getting what was he the twelfth overall pick, Josh Rosen or something like that? Getting him for a basically a third round pick. What was it, the sixty three overall? So like the second to last pick of the second round. Like, come on, that is discount double check right there. Yep. Dolphins, uh, Dolphins surprised me, and you know a lot of our friends here they're very happy with the picks. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens this year because you know Brady is on his way out probably over the next two, three years, who knows? Uh, and when that happens, you know, the AFC East could be up for grabs and, and the Dolphins could be uh, priming to make a push, you know. I hear grumblings that they're going to be tanking for Tua, which honestly I do not like. I think they should wait it out another year and go for uh, Trevor Lawrence when he's available, not this next year coming up, but the year after. Um, but I definitely see the future being a little bit brighter than it was before for the Miami Dolphins. Granted, 
I mean, it was just a fucking hurricane season before, and now it may be game up into a tropical yeah. storm. But it's still, you mm-hmm. know, a pretty good outlook for the Dolphins going forward. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we should uh, move on to to basketball real quick, Jack. I know you wanted to bring up a certain topic. You know what, Dinger? I think this is a good chance to take a quick commercial commercial break. Um, well, um, honestly, I got to go rub one out. All Thank right. you, man. I appreciate your understanding. So let's wrap it up here for a quick minute. Quick commercial break. You can hear from our sponsors, then we'll be right back with your basketball action, boys and girls. Keep it locked. Totally Uncalled For is brought to you by Vaseline. Jack, why don't you tell the listeners about Vaseline? I know you love that shit. Oh, yes, I do. I love Vaseline, baby. It's the most versatile bathroom accessory out there you can use it for just about anything you know it's a skin moisturizer it helps with rashes and burns all kinds of things that can affect your manhood you know vaseline will keep your ass clean baby yep vaseline keep your ass clean let's go baby you know i personally i like it it keeps my hands soft you know it reduces a lot of friction and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's great for massages and all the type of stuff like that. So, you know, go out and go buy some Vaseline today. Yep. Thank you to our sponsor. Now back to the show. And we're back, everybody. Thank you so much for understanding. I had to get one off right quick. We are back with some NBA talk dinger. Let's first talk about the stone cold Damian Lillard. This man has been on a tear this playoffs. And, you know, I know it's a little bit past due, but let's talk a little bit about that shot going over uh, Paul George to win the series buzzer beater. How freaking epic was that? You know, it was a little TBT back to, I think, yesterday to this day or maybe two days ago when Kyle, not Kyle Lowry, when Damian Lillard hit that game when he shot to end the series, I believe, against the Rockets in the first round. And, you know, it's just great seeing a player like Damian Lillard, who's often overlooked, you know, for other players in the NBA because he plays for a small market. He's definitely not the biggest personality, which, you know, definitely helps in the team in that aspect. You know, he's a very unselfish player. He's a baller. He's perfect for today's NBA. And I know we were talking a little bit about how I was putting Russ down, saying, give me Damian Lillard time and time again. But I'm going to stand by it. And it was clearly evidence. It was Damian Lillard versus Russ, and Damian Lillard showed and came to play that he was the better player. You know, they had two superstars in quotations on the other side, and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard just showed why he was made for the current NBA and why he's the better player. Mm-hmm. The, I agree. That series is now tied up 1-1. You know, Denver's the better team, but I think the best player is Damian Lillard, and it's heading back to Portland. I think they play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. When you guys are listening, it will be Friday. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, that's an interesting series as well. Um, I honestly think – let me let me interject. I love this series mainly because, you know, Russell Westbrook, he gives that – he gives the drama. He supplies the high energy. He talks shit, which, you know, we love. And it was just the classic – asshole that talks shit all the time getting a pie to the face like i'm better than you damian lillard is just a stone cold silent assassin you know he he plays very low keys in a small market uh but he's not very flashy 
Uh, he's just a great talent that just doesn't get enough attention in the league. And, you know, he was going up against someone like Russell Westbrook, who's always in the spotlight, always hitting his triple doubles and uh, getting all the media attention. And he kind of just put it on him like, hey, I'm here to play, baby. Like, you could do whatever you got to do, but when it comes down to it, I make shots and I close games. What pissed me off a little bit, though, was Paul George's response after the game in the press conference about this shot. He, all he had to do was say, you know what? It was a great shot. Dame got me this time. We lost. We're going to come back next year stronger. Be humble. You know, after getting a fucking 37-foot three-pointer drained in your fucking face, you would think that's a little bit of a humbling experience, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would have to say so myself. Um, Russ is not really the most humble person, but, you know, I would have most... I was talking about Paul George. Oh, said Paul that. George. Mm-hmm. Paul George is definitely not the most humble. I mean, actually, that's surprising coming from Paul George because he normally is a humble person, you know, but if I had just gotten a crazy three, 39 feet from the basket out and drained in my face, you know, mm-hmm. I, I probably would have some slick remark because, you know, it, it does seem like it's a lucky shot, but if you look at play, Damian Lillard is, I believe, was like seven for 16 or something along the lines like that from shots over 35 or 30 feet in this NBA playoffs. And the rest of the NBA was like two for 18 or three for 18. And those other ones are probably coming from Curry. So Damian Lillard has shown he's got deep, deep range. So, I mean, you got to expect him to to pull up from everywhere. Apparently, according to uh, some other players that he was practicing that shot before the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was just bound to hit it in a big moment. And, you know, he's a clutch player and was able to just put the dagger in. Yeah, th- this is the definition of clutch. Um, this man dribbled the ball up the court real nice and slow. And, um, you know, he, he fucking – he just drained the shot in his face. He didn't try to pass it off to someone. He didn't try to drive to the lane and draw a foul like James Harden or any of these other quacks out there. But he, he knew what he wanted to do. He went down there, and he stuck the knife in him like he was Arya Stark. It was fucking awesome, man. And, you know, I'm I, you can't say in this day and age that it's a bad shot when fucking 60% of the shots are taken from beyond the three-point line nowadays. It's absolutely ridiculous to think, oh, that's a, that's a bad shot. Oh, it's lucky shot. No, he went down there. He made his move. He made his step back, and he freaking drained it in your face, Paul George. Don't be talking shit. You're, you were a potential defensive player of the year candidate this season, and you mistimed the absolute shit out of that play. He absolutely mistimed it. He jumped too early, and he was on his way down when Dame was going up. And, you know, I don't, I'm not much of a basketball guy. I don't know much about physics or anything like that either, but I'm pretty sure you can't block a shot when you're coming down and someone's going up. That's just basketball one-on-one, baby. You got to lock yeah. him down. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think we should sort of look now into some of these next series that are playing out. You know, um, that series is, you know, in the rearview mirror. I've already forgotten about Russ and good riddance. And same thing with Paul George. You know, you guys can't get it done on the first round ever. So, you know, let's talk about the teams that matter now. You know, we got a bunch of good series. You know, we got Rockets, Warriors. You know, that looked a lot better at the beginning. The Rockets sort of lost by single digits two times. 
you know, they were complaining to the refs a lot, and I really don't want to get into what's a foul and what's not a foul. But James Harden needs to stop whining. You know, your entire game is predicated off, you know, deception and drawing fouls. And, yeah, some of those are bad calls, but the one in the last game, you're throwing your feet out three feet in front of you. What do you expect? They, the, the refs like to hold their whistles in the playoffs, and they especially like to hold their whistles in the last 30 to uh, last minute of the game. So I don't blame them there. But yeah, I, this- I, I, I agree, Darren. Let me interject. You live and die by the, by the fouls that James Harden tries dra- drawing every time. I mean, you can't expect to get a call every single play. Sometimes you might need to focus on actually making the shot and draining the bucket. Like, is that, like, is that so hard to understand that you, your first look should not be to draw a foul? but to maybe make the shot. Like I was watching on, um, on sports center, they were doing a little piece where they were kind of dissecting his game and looking at the way he shoots in different situations. When he's on, when he's wide open, it's just a normal shot comes right up, goes up with it and comes straight back down. That's it. And he drains it most of the time. You know, he's a great shooter, but when he has someone even remotely around him, he's kicking his legs like, three feet forward to try to land first underneath where the people are co- where the defender is coming down. And then that's a foul. He's a hundred percent taking advantage of the NBA rules. And you know, it, if it works for him, good for him. You get the foul, you make your free throws. That's it. But you live and die by it hard. And no. you can't, you, you can't be making this fucking big hoopla over this when it's your fault. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. And you know, we're going to switch to the other series after this, but you know, it seems like the Rockets whole game plan in this series was to win this game by drawing fouls on those three point shots. And clearly yeah. it's not happening. Scott Foster ain't having any of that shit. And the Warriors just look like the better team. Kevin Durant looks like the best player in the NBA and it doesn't really even look close at the moment. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, before we move on, uh, now that you mentioned Kevin Durant, uh, a lot of the talk recently has been that he's eclipsed LeBron, and I don't even want to get into that. I just kind of wanted to comment on how weird it is to not see LeBron James in the playoffs. Yeah, it's. Like, it's I feel like wild. I haven't seen him on the court in. I feel it feels like years, but it's honestly only been like a month, right? Like it's pretty, pretty, just weird that he's just not in the playoffs. It's not what we're used to. What was it like? 10 straight seasons or something like that. Yeah, and then he had like seven or eight straight seasons in the finals, and that was just as crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty incredible. But, you know, let's – I like where you're going with this. Let's shift over to the Warriors series now. You mean Um, the Nuggets series? We just talked about the Warriors. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, what am I talking about? Yeah, we're talking about the Nuggets and the Blazers, correct? Yeah, so this is actually a very interesting series, you know. Obviously, Denver is the higher seed. They have the home court advantage, but they haven't really been holding home court as well as you might think so far this year. And, you know, the Spurs put up a pretty good battle. But, you know, you got to think about it. This is the first time the Nuggets have been in the playoffs in God knows how long, since I think maybe 2010 or something along the lines, back when they had Melo. And it's good to see him here. You know, we have a, a, a few Nuggets listeners on this podcast. And... You know, they're the prototypical team that's great in the regular season, but doesn't really seem like they're going to be that great in the playoffs. They only have yeah. one superstar, and he's not really 
the type of player who can like take over a game. He does everything well. He rebounds. He passes extremely well for a big guy. Probably the best passer over seven feet tall that I think I've ever seen. And he's obviously a great offensive threat. He can shoot the ball from anywhere on the court. He's strong inside. Definitely not really there with the athleticism, but, you know, that's not his game. But not having any other stars or even all-stars around him, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out in today's NBA, especially against a team that has two stars in, Damian Lillard in, and um, the other little guy that they have on their team that I'm going to mention his name. <laughs> C.J. Right? McCollum. C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum. There you go. And C.J. McCollum. Um, they're both shot makers as well, and I, I – Thought this was going to be a high-scoring series. I took the over last night. Didn't really pan out like I thought. But, you know, I'm excited to see how this series goes. I actually have Portland winning the series in six. And I'm sure I think you did too. But, I mean, this yeah. is going to be one of the best series to watch. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm with you on this one, Dinger. Uh, I'm with you on this because I, I really just – what you said about them being a great regular season team and not built for the playoffs, I think hit it dead on the, uh, on the nail. Um, you know, they look great throughout the year, but they don't really have much experience on the team. It's a lot of young guys, people that really haven't been there before. And I think this is really like the Blazers time. <laughs> they've been, they, they've been in the playoffs for the last few years, you know, and every time they get matched up with a team, that's just a little bit better than them and they can't pull it out. But this year they were able to do it and they were able to take down Paul George and Russ. I definitely think that they're going to really get out of this in six games. I, I think it'll be a 4-2 Portland, and I think they're going to go on to play the Warriors. And, you know, we all know what's going to happen there, yeah. but it, it's pretty interesting to, to see. Yeah, and, you know, now we're going to talk a little bit about the East playoff series, which are very interesting. They're both tied up at 1-1 with yes. the Raptors playing tonight, actually, as we speak. And let's start with that series. So we got the Raptors versus the 76ers, and to be honest, I know the Raptors have been a team to choke in the playoffs, but with Kawhi Leonard, it's different. So I looked at yes. this stat, and it basically took in the true shooting percentages of every player in the league. Your top five is full of the same people. You know, true shooting accounts for free throw. You're shooting on three points, and then also your regular field goal shooting as well. So it accumulates all of those together. And obviously, a three-point shot is going to raise your true shooting up higher because it accounts for the extra point that you're getting on the play. So um, they compared regular season numbers and Kawhi Leonard in the regular season is, is up there in efficiency when it comes to sh the true shooting percentage in the regular season. But in the playoffs, he ups it up to another level where he's shooting an absurd 67% true shooting percentage and a 62% field goal percentage thus far in this playoffs, which is just asinine. If you ask me, Jeez. he puts his, he, he elevates his yeah. play when it's needed most in the playoffs. And he has just been a baller in the series. And, you know, personally, I like Toronto. I know it tied up 1-1. But now with Kyle Lowry, isn't their two, number two player anymore. It's a young guy called Pascal Siakam, a former D-League MVP. And <laughs> Siakam is – he's a baller. He's probably about 6'10", 6'11", one of the lankiest guys I've ever seen. He can shoot it from three spot up. He's not much of a, you know, I guess – no, he can shoot the contested, contested shots from like the twelve to eighteen foot range, but he's not not from three, and he's yeah, not, but, not but he three. can spot up from three. He just does so many things well. He's extremely athletic. He can bang it in the post with guys like Joel Embiid and use his speed and length 
you know, to sort of circumvent his way around it. And I think he's a really good player. I really like him, and I'm actually excited to see where this series is going to go. But I actually personally think the Raptors are going to win this in six or seven games after watching the first two. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you because of that X factor, Kawhi Leonard. You said, you said it perfectly. Like they, they're known to choke in the playoffs, but you know they got Kawhi Leonard, and he he brings that X factor. Um, going into the season, you know, before the season started, I was very high on the Sixers, and you know, honestly, I said that LeBron should have been to the should have gone to the Seventy Sixers. If he went to the Seventy Sixers, they would be an absolute monstrous team. And you know, it, it, it worked out. He went to LA. He's happy, whatever. But the Sixers have taken a step back this year. And, you know, I, I'm not even sure who they lost from last season, but they're just not the same team. Last year, they were so explosive, especially in the playoffs down the stretch. I thought that all they needed was maybe one or two little pieces and make a little few uh, corrections, and they'd be right back in it this year. But they looked bad in the first series, you know, against, what was it, the Nets? They, 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 they didn't look great, at, especially in the first game. But, uh, I mean, the Nets weren't really a – a worthy opponent, if you ask me. They kind of just got hot, hot with Dilo, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed in, in the 76ers, and that's largely attributed to Ben Simmons not being able to shoot a basketball. Like, I mean, they should literally just cut his fucking hands off at this point because he is absolutely useless on the offensive side. The man is a physical phenom. He's quick as hell. He can pass really well. But just don't shoot the basketball, man. And – uh, that, that's that's really my take on it is that the 76ers are just very disappointing this year and I, I can see it maybe going seven games if they get lucky but I, I, I agree I think Toronto wins six yeah, as well no, really I, I, I think Toronto is going to win this series and I guess lastly we'll talk about this uh, Boston-Milwaukee series so I originally had yes. said I think that Milwaukee has a chance to win the championship and beat the Warriors it was a hot take at the time and you know I'm definitely feeling the heat right now and I'm not going to be like the guys that's like, well, my preseason pick with this, and I'm, so I'm going to stick with it. No, I can change my fucking mind based off new data and new information. And, you know, the Celtics are the better team here. They have more players. They have more stars. Yeah. Jason Tatum is their number two. They have Jalen Brown. They've got players that come off the bench. You know, Giannis is great, but when you're facing a great coach like Brad Steven, he's going to exploit your weaknesses. And, you know, every time Gi- Giannis is driving to the hole – Every time they are converging on him like crazy and forcing other people to beat them. And it, it sort of stinks that he doesn't have an outside shot because Jonas is such an exciting young player, one of the best players we have in this league. But the fact that he doesn't have an outside shot really, really hurts him because they're, they're not really playing it on us. They're letting him take that shot with just having it be slightly contested. And, it, you know, it, it's hurting him right now. And obviously, it's tied up 1-1, but Boston's yeah. going back home. And we know how good Boston is when they're at home, you know. So, it's it's going to be an interesting series. But I actually think Boston is going to be taking it now. Kyrie is one of the best playoff players in the history of the NBA. So, he's – yeah. He really is, man. For I how mean, yes, he is. Yes, when he has been in the playoffs, really he is. has been next to one of the greatest players that have ever played this great game. But – He's just been money. He's a closer. He's the type of guy when it's two minutes left and you just need a shot maker. You don't really care about efficiency on a three-point shot or a two-point shot because it's a one-possession game and you need a bucket. Kyrie is the, one of the best. He's one of the best finishers 
under under six and a half feet that I think I've ever witnessed. He's great with both hands. The English that he puts on the ball and the angles that he finagles his way around to get that ball in that hoop is incredible. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, what I would love to see, honestly, Dinger, would be a Celtics-Portland finals and, and see Dame and Kyrie just duke it out, you know, because they're both great talents. But obviously that's not going to get the same ratings that, that the Warriors would gather. But I just think that would be an insane, incredible matchup for the fans. I think it would be awesome. But uh, I, I think I'm going to go stick with my guns. Last episode I said Celtics were winning this game due to their playoff pedigree. And, you know, I'm sticking to that. I think it shows after the first two games that, you know, the Bucks just really aren't ready. Like, they're, they're not a playoff team. They're a playoff team. team. They're, yeah, not, they had a they're great, not a championship great regular team. season. They're – Exactly. That's what I meant. You did. Thank you for correcting me. They had the best uh, they're, record they're in the regular uh, season. They're a, clearly a playoff team. Great team. I think Giannis is going to be the MVP this year if they don't give it to Harden. But um, yeah, I think we're going to see a good series. But I think largely Kyrie's going to take over and, and he's going to do some damage. Bring them, bring them to the finals. I would say, even honestly, um, that's that, that's really my take on it. Uh, the playoffs are heating up, and you know what? I am not the biggest basketball guy, as you could probably tell from the last few minutes of this pod. But, um, you know, this is going to be my open invitation. Dinger, I have never, we've never done this on this pod, but I'm inviting, I'm calling you out, Mr. Gabe, Gabe Vivi. If you're listening right now, you are summoned to come on the podcast next week to talk playoff basketball. Yeah, I can co-sign to that. We've been trying to make it happen, but we just keep hearing excuse after excuse and why you can't do it. We have a flexible schedule. You know, we were offering to do it Tuesday. We were offering it to do it Wednesday. So let's make this happening. I know you're listening. I know you like to listen to this podcast on your way to work in the morning. So let's make it happen. We need some people who watch NBA religiously and bet on it every single day. You came off a little heater. You've been slowing down a little bit, but, you know, we'll get that podcast magic. To bring it back. There you go. There you go, Dinger. I like it, Dinger. You have any final thoughts for tonight? Um, so your boy Dinger adhered 100% correctly to the tough guy diet. I actually, I, oh, yeah. fuck. Let me get my violin out real I, fast. I actually was able to, you know, do it great. Uh, I, I'm not going to really get in statistics here, but I'm now able to fit into my pants. I was not able to fit into at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this diet, but you know, but you know, there, there's, well, there's awesome. been a half awesome. of the, the tough guys, you know, that really haven't been all that tough. You know, they've, they've succumbed to, <laughs> you know, inner mental weakness and decided that they were going to eat red meat and say that they think pork is, doesn't constitute red meat. So, you know, I think we know who we're talking about in this yeah. instance, well, but yeah, all right, listen, listen, I'm raising my hand right now. This was me. I accept my faults. I did, I did cave. And, but, you know, when you go out to fucking Cincinnati and it's freaking cold, wet, and rainy, and you have a freaking corporate card expense to rack up. Why don't you get, get like lobster? Ribeye, my friend, and a nice – well, that's a little bit outlandish. I think my boss would be a little upset if he saw him ordering freaking lobster here and there. But, um, you know, I, I, it just goes to show I'm a weaker man than you, Dinger. I said it. And, you know, you're a tough guy. I'm a tough mm-hmm. guy. A little yeah, I guess we'll end it on that. <laughs> but one thing I do want to 
No, 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 no. We will not end it on that because I do want to make one thing known here, though, for our listeners. Uh, this man was eating fucking potato salad instead of eating red meat. Can we get someone to confirm that potato fucking salad is more unhealthy than red meat with all the mayo and the kuchamas? You know, that was, that was, Jack, that was one day on the last day or one of the last days of my diet. It was a free meal, first of all. And, you know, they had pork that I did not eat and baked beans that, you know, I could hardly eat because of the, the meat that they had in the baked beans. So I was eating that potato salad, yeah. I'm not saying it's not the healthiest thing, but it was the only thing that I ate for lunch that day. And <laughs> you probably you probably looked like a psychopath walking around a barbecue with a plate full of fucking potato salad while everyone's going in on. Well, you know, I brisket well, it was actually only pulled pork fire. sandwiches, <laughs> but I actually did have the pulled pork sandwich walking around with it. I just gave it to our boy, Nick. And, you know, shout out to me and Nick for coming in <laughs> second place at the. The hunt, the Youth Hunting Association Golf Charity Event. You know, we placed second. Whenever we finished, there was three cards in, and we were at second place. And out of like thirty-six people, and somehow it held. So shout out to us. That's awesome. Good for you guys. Good for you. I'm gonna give you a clap for that one, Dinger. Clap it up. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All right, Dinger. That's all you got for us this time. You know, uh, we did want to talk about one other topic, but let's save it for next week. You know, I'm, I'm hungry, man. I, I got to get out of here. I got to get to sleep. Uh, let's wrap it up here. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. As always, like and subscribe to our page. Go on Instagram at TUF Podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, keep it locked, baby. This is totally on call for. Peace out.